0: Hi filmmakers and welcome back to the Short Film Pod, hosted by Leonie Marsh and myself, Jacobi Gray. Today we sit down with writer-director Shelley Lauman. Sydney-born and classically trained as an actor at the VCA in Melbourne, Shelley's filmmaking career is preceded by nearly a decade of work as an actor and theatre maker. In 2015, she earned her MFA in film directing from the American Film Institute Conservatory, where she was awarded the AFI Richard P. Rogers Spirit of Excellence Award for her graduating film, Woman Outside. Since then, Woman Outside has screened at numerous international festivals and won Best Dramatic Short Film at the UN Women Global Voices Festival. Her first short film, Two Ducks, was the winner of the Audience Choice Award at the 2009 World of Women Film Festival in Sydney, and her latest work, Birdie, is the recipient of the Australian Directors Guild and Metro Screen Production Fellowship. It premiered at the Melbourne International Film Festival and internationally at the Toronto International Film Festival. It was acquired by Fox Searchlight Pictures, which is actually a first for the studio. Shelley's also a good friend and a very accomplished and nuanced filmmaker. She makes us think outside the square and question the norm. So let's get started.
1: I made a short film at the end of 2008 to kind of help my acting career. I I wanted to be a film actor and my whole acting career was stage acting, which wasn't a problem. Mm. It just wasn't what I imagined and I wasn't getting the film work. So Mm. I thought I'd create a vehicle for Mm. myself to do that in. And then um, when I was making the film, it was very serendipitous the way things came together. Uh, And when we were actually shooting it, I way preferred the directing than Mm. the acting. I was like, oh, okay. And then, of course, as soon as I discovered that, my acting career kind of took a lightning bolt forward and occupied me for quite some time. But then as I was getting more and more work, I wanted more control over the stories that I was telling as an actor you have a lot of influence as an actor but it's not you're not in charge Mm. and there were just so many stories that I was a part of that like they're kind of hurt in a way like they were just like this Mm. is not my truth this is not my experience of the world this is not helping my experience of the world largely to do with being a woman in the world lots of stories of violence for no real purpose I actually wasn't sure that I was going to move into film directing despite having a wonderful experience with that short film that I made five years earlier. Um, I kind of just hit a point where I was like, oh, I think I'm going to leave the arts altogether. This is, wow. this is yeah, this is not for me. And then I was in Europe and kind of had a quiet, moment and kind of thought okay well if I was going to stay in the arts then the one thing I haven't tried that I'd want to try is film directing so I'll apply for a really hard film school to get into and pay for and if I can do both of those things then I'll be a film director so universe
0: it's (laughs) Mm. up to you you tell me. (laughs) (laughs) Is that why you chose the US over Australia to study film?
1: Yeah, I definitely wanted to break my comfort zone and and my pattern. The theatre has this beautiful community, like it's such a family, really. It's so strong and there's such ritual around creating theatre and I definitely had a real strong comfort zone that I loved that took care of me in certain ways and didn't in other ways and all the rest of it and I was getting work. So I knew that if I wanted to do something new, I was going to have to put some sort of marker in there for myself that broke the comfort zone that i was in
2: so you applied yeah. and you got in so i
1: applied and got in. Yeah, yes so, and i didn't really want to go back to school for a long time i just wanted to kind of do something and, and not be in australia but i wanted something new and afi is renowned for being one of the best film schools in the world and i applied and i got in and then i got scholarships to pay for it and then i went <laughs>
2: The universe couldn't have welcomed you with more open Mm. arms. She could not have. She sent that off for you.
0: And during your time there, how many short films did you make?
1: So many. Um, I made three in first year and four in second year. It's a very accelerated amount of work. I don't know if it's a sensible thing to do, but it was definitely good in understanding the motor of the craft you know what I mean like the mm-hmm. process like really really understanding the process in a hands-on way it's like you do this bit and then you do this bit and then you do this bit like it demystified the mm. process of making.
2: Did you all change positions or did you choose to be a director and therefore you directed?
1: Yeah so you get accepted into your chosen discipline so on all of the films I was a director sometimes uh-huh. and most of the time I'd say there's one occasion maybe on oh, no, maybe three occasions where I was not a writer as well. Other than that, I was a writer-director mm-hmm. um, because there's a writing discipline as well um, mm-hmm. at AFI, So, and lots of people do meet their kind of writing partners at, at school, mm-hmm. um, but I wanted to write a lot of my own stuff. And then there were a few littler things, especially in second year, um, that I collaborated with people to write the scripts
0: so making so many short films in quick succession that probably gave you um the confidence to be a little bit more experimental as you went along and try different things knowing that you had an opportunity to make another one and another one and another one
1: yeah definitely I remember in first year consciously choosing points that I wanted to focus on. One of them in my third film that I made that year, which, you know, wasn't necessarily the most successful one, but definitely was an exercise in something with zero risk in terms of outside points of view total learning for myself was how little story can I use like how much how little plot do I need how little narrative do I need what was that called is that one on your website it's uh it's called mourning for copyright reasons I think AFI Uh um doesn't allow you to post the full film so there are there are excerpts on my website like two little scenes from that I liked it, but it was definitely – I had a particular focus in mind and it wasn't making an awesome film. It was how mm. little narrative can I use.
0: Yeah, how, um, how far can you strip it back?
1: Exactly, yeah.
0: For your graduating piece, Woman Outside, something that struck me the first time that I saw that was that you didn't use music.
1: Yeah, I don't use music.
0: <laughs> right
1: okay yeah right. yeah I don't mean to not mu- use music that's not on purpose that's just naturally me I don't hear I don't hear it I don't I don't hear it I hear sound of the atmosphere of the environment that the characters are mm-hmm.
0: in mm-hmm. okay and- so have you used music in any of your films <laughs> like have you worked with a composer before or you just have a- quite a strong relationship with your sound designer
1: i have worked on woman outside we did work with a composer okay so i have ex- had one experience working with a composer but we didn't use anything that he composed because it was just so not right to have mm. music and i that was a, you know again part of being at film school there is a strong assumption that you'll use music uh and so it was just part of the process to like oh we'll get a composer on board and i was like yeah i don't really know what the music would be but i guess that We'll figure it out later. <laughs> and, mm, and then when we were mm. working on it, I was like, your work is beautiful, but it, it, it's not helping the film. Mm. Like it's, it's telling us what to feel rather than allowing the, the, mm. the story to do that.
2: Yeah. So we didn't use it. That's so interesting. Mm. I, just, I love that. And I don't know if it, we can purely put it down to your education at AFI, but you as a storyteller generally – you've had this incredible run of being quite prolific in work and now you've come out the other end you can see in your work that, that you've got this confidence to, as Jack said, strip it back. It doesn't have to be filled, doesn't have to be noisy, and mm. it really is the pureness of the story, which makes you a very interesting filmmaker.
0: Mm. Thank you very
2: much. Very accomplished, (laughs) too. Very skilled. Yeah.
0: So then you came back to Australia and you made Birdie.
2: Yes, I did.
1: Birdie was an idea that came to me when I was living in L.A., but I didn't quite know like the school had finished and there's no government support mm. <laughs> in America to make a short film. Uh, and having lived in America for a while, I, I was acutely aware of my Australianness, whatever that might mean, but acutely aware of my not American-ness. Mm. And I, so I wanted to come home and know more about that, know more about me and where i've lived and where i was born and i don't know in 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 what particular way i wanted to know about it but i just wanted to live here to know about it again post having lived in america who who are so patriotic in such a different way than Mm. you know the australian culture is so Birdie, if I was going to come home, I had to, I had to make something and Birdie was definitely something that just kept hanging around. I had another idea and it, you know, I really, wish I really liked, but Birdie was just louder. Mm. Yeah. It was just louder. So uh, I wrote it and um, we applied for, create new south wales funding which we, un- we didn't get which is you know totally fine but we got the australian directors guild metro screen fellowship funding which is close to not quite the same amount but amazing support and kind of in their inaugural year of of giving this fellowship out that was a big affirmation for my return home um, mm. to be able to launch into work pretty quickly
0: It's a question that a lot of short filmmakers have and our audience are are like, well, how do we get the funds together? And some of our directors have personally funded their films. Others have done the crowdfunding is obviously a really common way to raise money. But Mm. in Australia, we are lucky there are quite a few avenues through the government and different programs that will provide finance for films. But, I mean, it's just the whole rigmarole of going through creating the applications and things like that. So yeah. did you have to do two separate applications for the first funding project you you went for and then the second yeah. one and
1: Yes, we did two separate applications. There are some things that you can use to carry over that are specific to the film, like I created a a visual mood board that spoke to the film and that because that belongs to the film and not to the funding body criteria, I was able to submit that to both applications or my director's statement, for example, that, that applied to specifically the film and why I wanted to tell that story. So that was... A requirement and helpful for both applications when you're applying for money you you take into account who you are speaking to definitely as the applicant like who is this group of people that i'm asking for money from and what are their needs as as a funding body to fulfill uh, and why would i be a good applicant or how am i a good applicant to fulfill their criteria not just not just my own that's
2: it. Because it's so, uh, whilst we're very fortunate to have those opportunities, they're inc- incredibly competitive. So you have to have Absolutely. a very strong application.
1: Absolutely. Mm.
2: And how did you and- crew up once you'd come home? And you must have forged all these relationships with your US peers. I know. <laughs> how <Yeah>. was that?
1: <laughs> <laughs> and then I used none of them. I relied on my producer, so uh, and and EPs, so producer friends who were kind of very close to the filmmaking process throughout the journey. Uh, but my producer, Lizzie Cater, I was relying on her connections and our mutual friend connections to get people interested. I mean, actor wise, that that was my strength because I know lots of actors, so I could pull on my mm. my people that I wanted to work with, like Maeve and I all. Oh, old friends and she's such a beautiful actress and it was pure like serendipity that she was in town and was willing and wanting to to do the short with me and then Sam Parson I know as well
2: can you talk us through the logistics of that you were shooting on a train how long did you shoot for what was it like being out in the Australian public space
1: it was definitely one of the hardest things I've ever done. I don't, <laughs> there was unforeseen mm-hmm. challenges that just like really logistical things, like really easy logistical things that because you're in, in a location that you know very well, you know, Sydney transport I live here I take Sydney transport all the time and I prepped the like trains what kind of train how because we didn't get a carriage to ourselves that's not available but um we were able to you know we were able to kind of book our per- permit for two full full days the permit doesn't allow you to just own one carriage you but you do get to just be free on the trains to obviously to a certain and very safe extent um for the amount of time that you book so it was most of our budget to be able to shoot on a train and we shot two days i prepped for like months beforehand because birdie and like we'd started working on birdie at the end of 2016 by the time the money came through and we you know wrangled because obviously it was a small budget so people were you know doing it um for love. Favors. So, um, yeah. For love. Mm,
2: mm, uh, mm.
1: <laughs> so the logistics took a little while to come together. Um, so during that time I was prepping a lot and just catching trains and thinking about how to use the trains and which, you know, get we'd have to get on and off the trains. There was definitely a particular line of train and track of train that I wanted to use, which was Redfern to Bondi mm-hmm. um, because I wanted to be underground to start with and I wanted to finish in light and I knew that mm. there was like that that train line goes tunnel light tunnel light tunnel light, tunnel um so i could use that it. it was easy to plan and i spent yeah months days um bits and pieces here and there just paying attention to how the trains work you know when when are the cars like the the train seats there's multiple seats when are they like this when are they like that how often When train like just heaps of heaps of scouting mm. um and then on the day there are just things that I just couldn't have prepared for I just didn't occur to me like if if the PA system goes off and says next train arriving on you can't hear anyone who's standing more than a meter away from you which means you mm. can't direct anyone down the platform and then as soon as you realize that that means that a train is arriving and maybe you don't want the train to arrive on that platform or at all and then that means that people are getting off the train pretty soon and there's wind and maybe you want a still moment and no hair to be moving but oh that's gone now um and then people get off the train you're like oh there's a crowd okay we'll just wait till that passes then it could happen on the other platform and then, <laughs> seven minutes have passed and you're like F- i've only got eight hours today to get this entire film oh
2: my <laughs> um
1: yeah so it was it was such a tricky challenge we had um And the amazing cinematographer, Anna Howard, who's so Mm -hmm. experienced and Mm. so nuanced and fast in her work to be able to capture the emotion the way that she does Mm. and so quickly and so expertly, I would not have been able to do it without her.
0: How did you uh, prepare with Anna? Were you talking about how to emotionally capture the journey prior to the shoot?
1: Yes, definitely. Definitely. We collected visual references and and all the rest of it, but in terms of when the main character is being watched and when she's not being watched, like what's the difference before she meets the boys? What's the the camera style or the camera feel in her own world before it's interrupted by these men who are going to trap her and, you know, mess with her world? We deliberately decided on two different languages, um, camera languages, Mm. visual languages, to express that.
2: Yeah, it's so effective. Mm-hmm. You really mm. do feel this slow dread that just increases yeah. in in your bones. I mean, I don't know as a female viewer if it's more profound for us, but the suspense of it is taut. Hmm. Good. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And so the post process with that then, um, did you find that you were able to get all the shots you wanted or was there a lot of compromise because of the conditions on the day? And then how did that impact your editing?
1: There was definitely improvising on the day. I was like, oh, okay, so I have to adjust my approach. Like in real time, as we're shooting it, I will have to adjust how I'm visualizing this. So there was improvisation on the day and I knew that sound was going to be a massive part of it. So the way that I started to call for frames or like kind of work with Anna to get certain frames was knowing that, that sound was going to be a huge component. Like obviously sound is always a huge component, but I hadn't focused on it in the same way. So the shots started to change as we were shooting it. And then in the editing room, I had a very strong editor on board and just said, Chuck the script away. Like we know what the story is, Mm -hmm. the script off, um, do what we have. Um, which was really freeing and enjoyable, because it doesn't matter how smart the script is if it's not there then mm, mm. and we had like we had it, we had it, we had it, it like birdie, what it is in essence, it mm. didn't have certain shots, but we had the film, so it didn't matter that my script wasn't verbatim on the screen. <laughs>
0: mm. And I guess that's your experience of having made so many shorts that made you comfortable with that, or you were able to just let go and trust. Or do you think maybe it's your experience as an actor as well, just being able to trust yourself really in that space?
1: I think it's probably a combination of all of the above, of having made a lot of shorts and experiencing not trusting myself and how devastating that can be, can really, really, really ruin your film if you don't trust yourself. So you don't know what's going to happen either way, whether you choose to Mm -hmm. have faith or not have faith in your ability and uh, faith or not have faith in your crew or in your story or like either way, it's an unknown. And the more I trust myself and the more I listen to my instinct, I might not have what I planned, or it might change, or it might look different in the end, but that doesn't mean that it's wrong. It doesn't mean that it's not the film that I intended to make. It means that this is the filmmaking process. It's not, it's not finished till it's finished, and even then. <laughs> you know,
0: yeah. Um, yeah.
1: Each part is a rewrite. Yeah.
0: Exactly. And actually, it was Danielle Bosenberg, wasn't it, who was your yes. editor? Yes.
1: She's wonderful.
0: Yes. yes. So moving forward, was there a, people on your team that you would work with again? And what are the qualities that you like in your team that you mm. that would make you sort of take them on to the next film?
1: I would work with every person that I worked with on Birdie again. I think I kind of imagine my crew the way I imagine my cast and it's an essence thing, particularly with heads of department. What does their essential essence as a human and the way that they view the world offer the story and how will it strengthen and elevate and heighten the story by working with them. And then there are you know, some people I just go, okay, well, I'm weaker in that front, so I need someone who's stronger than me there mm-hmm. to be able to carry the film to be as good as we can make it or just get through the process together. I think it's, it's kind of like a casting process in terms of your comfort levels, but also how this person views the world and how they interpret material.
2: It's so nice to see so many women in key roles in the credit list of Birdie. We love that.
1: Yeah, it was accident to start, like as we were just looking for people. I mean, we were aware, obviously, of, of wanting to work with women, mm. um, but it wasn't like it must be only women to start. That wasn't like a hard and fast mm. uh, decision. And it took us a little while to find an editor who was available. And that was when it started to set in about, oh, I want a woman to edit this. And I didn't really feel the full decision of it until we were doing the credits. So, a woman wrote and directed it. A woman produced it. A woman did the sound design. A woman edited it. Like it felt like it was a continuation of the story. Mm. Yes. It was. Yes. Yeah, it was very satisfying yeah. to kind of very feel that.
2: Very cool. And it's meaningful too, you know, as you say. It was, yes. It's an extension of the story that you were telling on screen.
0: Having made so many shorts now, would you have any advice for first-time filmmakers out there and mustering the courage to make their own their first short film?
3: Just, <laughs> just do it. Just do it. Even if it's, you'll learn something. Mm. Just mm. do it. Avoid getting into too much debt for it, unless you're in a position to to get out of it in some way. But just do it. You wouldn't feel the need to do it if you didn't have something to say. And if you have something to say, then it probably needs to be heard.
2: Mm. Yeah. How do you feel about short films now? We know that you're developing your, your debut feature. Do you yes. think you always return to the short as a craft of, of storytelling or what's your stand in this point of your career?
3: I really enjoy them as a form. Like when you start out, they are the form. Like very few people go straight from zero to a feature. People have, absolutely. That's not out of the question, but it's not common. It's definitely not the common path. And now that I'm moving into the next form of exploration. It feels like going back to shorts is something that I can actively choose and quite enjoyably so that I can serve the story how the story needs to be told, whatever story that might be. And some shorts can't be features. So yeah, I would make another one.
0: Mm. And I think especially now that there is a lot more call for short form content online and people's attention spans are causing things like is it quibi to start which is like 10 minute pieces of work
3: yeah we have so much access to so much content in so many different ways coming from the theater i was really taught that form and content are completely intertwined and related mm. um, and you the know, theater is such a, a physical medium of like you, you know, pick something up and move it in front of people in real time and they'll see it and so the form that you choose it is really a hundred percent a part of what the final product is whereas film is very clearly a product as a finished product that is a particular thing so to be living and working in a time where that has different outfits now rather than just being an hour and a half or can be lots of different things like i'm really i'm really intrigued by people who make instagram work as a short form Mm -hmm. medium to be able to tell a story that quickly or you know i find that really fascinating um that the technology that we're we're inside of uh, allows the form to be messed with it's such a young it's so it's so
2: young yeah and that accessibility now too it it is very interesting
3: Yeah, just different ways of people being able to engage in their thought processes and their creativity. It's
2: exciting.
0: So we have a rapid fire round now. Are you a texter or a talker? I'll say a talker. (laughs) (laughs) What's your favourite genre?
3: Drama. In the cinema, popcorn or Maltesers? Maltesers.
0: Netflix or YouTube?
3: Netflix. Favourite filmmaker? Agnes Varda.
0: What was the first film you were ever involved in and in what
3: capacity? I think it was the Australian horror director Sean Byrne. I was in his um, short film Advantage Satan, which went to Sundance. You are an actor? I was an actor, yeah. Cool. And what was the last film you worked on? This feature... That might come to fruition. Oscars or Golden Globes? Oscars.
0: And your career highlight to date?
3: Oh, this is a long answer to a rapid fire question. Being in a cinema um, with Birdie playing at NIF and having a woman get angry at the film because she didn't want to see something that she lives every day, be visualised, and the man sitting next to her says, yeah, but... I've only ever heard about this experience and now I've actually experienced it for the the first time. And then Mm she's like, oh, okay. And that didn't make her want the film anymore, but the fact that she saw a man get changed by it Mm. affected her.
2: Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, jump online and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, share with a friend and write us a review. And until next time, filmmakers keep creating.